0: The only real president of the United States, Dr. Ron Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's very nice. <laughs> and I want to first start off by mentioning Daniel. You know that guy has been up here all day long. <laughs> And I have to put up with him every day, keep the program going. See, I don't need an encyclopedia or the website. Just ask him, what's the answer, Daniel? (laughs) But but it has been uh, great uh, with Daniel. His family's here. His wife is here. And he puts them all to work. So um, I also have some family here with me today. Uh, My son here, Ronnie, is sitting right here. And His oldest, uh, his no, middle daughter arrived today uh, a little while ago, and her husband uh, is with her, and they brought a newborn here, a sort of newborn, three months, and, and that's uh, Wes and Lisa. And uh, Oh, oh, by the way, I, I brought my first wife with me. <laughs> Somebody told me it was more than 25 years, somebody told me it was more than 50 years, but when they said 60, I said, are you sure you're counting right? So it turned out this year, it was 66, and she survived. (laughs) (laughs) But most of all, the support of a conference like this is you have to have some people come, and special people, people who care, And uh, this is a fine group because I always need encouragement. I, uh, you know, I get despondent and down at times too, not very much, but some. But I come to meetings like this and I get a boost. So I want to thank you for coming and giving me that boost. You know, the the program has uh, something to do with telling the truth. You know, in the old days, they had ways of dealing with this. I don't know. Maybe we should revive it. I've heard of it happening. We didn't use it in our family, but you always have to teach kids not to lie. And I don't know if anybody in this room remembers that some some parents use soap. <laughs> Just think, if we use soap on the politicians, we'd run <laughs> out of soap <laughs> so fast. Wash your mouth out. You <laughs> know. Uh, you know, the, the one, one thing that I look at to sort of explain the whole picture is, what's going on? That's what people ask a so often. What, what's going on and what is the reason? And one thing I start with when, when we're talking about truth, uh, it, it's, the, it's a statement I, th- I think says a whole lot. Truth is treason in an empire of lies. This, I think, says a whole lot, and uh, I think we've heard a lot today about the explanation of the empire. The empire's out there, especially on the foreign policy and all the activity, but there is an empire, and uh, to gain an empire, you have to use force, whether it's economic force and lying and wars and all these kind of things, but to maintain an empire, it, it is never static. It's either worry about it shrinking or they need to make it bigger. And uh, guess who's been the world history's expert in expanding an empire when there's a little note that it might be shrinking? And that, unfortunately, is a government of ours that needs reined in quickly as far as i'm concerned they need to have a discontinuation of the interventionist foreign policy we have because so many people suffer from this consequence and uh, of course uh, jordan uh, mentioned the fact that there's a money machine out there that helps uh, helps uh, stimulate this and finance it and, and there is no doubt about that uh, you know that's the reason one of the things that uh, uh, I worked on a little bit when I was in Congress, was to make the point of how important you know, the monetary issue was, and, uh, and is. And this, is, uh, this to me is so important, because uh, if, if you have a money machine, you can, you can always pay the bills, and the money machine is that, uh, th- that organization, it's very secret, but I'll probably tell you which one it is in a minute, but there's one that uh, deserves uh, a lot of uh, investigation, they deserve a lot of audit, and then it deserves getting rid of the Fed. That's what we need. I remember when uh, I wrote a little pamphlet on that, Abolish the Fed, but I can remember the first time I heard it. I didn't invent that out of the year and try to talk people into using it. It happened to be on a liberal college campus. There were young people, which really gave me encouragement because this is a liberal campus. You better be careful. They were the one that started Abolish the Fed, and they pulled out some Federal Reserve notes and started burning Federal Reserve. I thought I was in big trouble. but no. The money issue is a big issue, and a few lies are told about our money, and constantly. And uh, I, I, if you want to understand the, um, the whole process of the welfare state, the, the, uh, the, the uh, fighting of the wars, the, the whole process, they can't do it uh, without control of money. And that's what they, from the very beginning, didn't they have a little debate and a little argument about a central bank between, uh, 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 between uh, uh, Jefferson and, uh, what's his name again, <laughs> and, uh, Jeff, Jefferson, and, uh, and they argued about the central bank, and Jefferson won that argument. It was Oh, no, he lost that argument. They had to set up a bank, it lasted for 20 years. They had another one, and that lasted, and finally, uh, you know they, uh, they they had that victory, and uh, in in, uh, uh, in 1913, victory for them, but not for the American people. That that has been a disaster, and uh, not only did it become a manipulation of uh, you know the finances, it also uh, reassured that there would be intervention uh, into the economy. So uh, there, this uh, I, I think is one of the most dangerous things that we've had. And doing all this thing, guess what happened? There's a tremendous intrusion of our personal liberties. So if you're looking for liberty and uh, you need to sort it all out, it's not all that complicated because there should be the the federal government, the government should never be able to do anything that you or I can't do. So if you can't steal from your neighbor, Why did it ever happen that they sent their congressman to steal from their neighbor? That is not complicated. Bastiat explained it so well in the law. Just that thing, I think, would go a long way, if people would understand that, a long way to restoring the principles of liberty. I think the uh, whole principle of uh, what's going on today is a contest between, between telling the truth and nihilism and nihilism has gained uh, its strength, it's been around for a long time, but more so now than ever before, because uh, nihilists, nihilists aren't just uh, careless with their definition, they believe very sincerely that you cannot, there's no objective method, no scientific method of uh, deciding what truth is. And you say, well, maybe that is in, uh, in sort of, is that Muhammad? I was <laughs> Okay, are you able to hear me now? Okay, there, that doesn't, I don't hear that, and that's good. <laughs> Uh, no, the, uh, the uh, object, no, there's no, they, they claim there's no objective way of knowing what truth is. And that means. There's a there there's a void there. Something has to fill it, and of course, uh, I think what has filled it. Uh, if you can't have truth, you have to have something else, and that is somebody comes in with a substitute, and that is what we're witnessing today. The consequence of many many decades and years of people always challenging the truth, and. Uh, truth the truth is it's treasonous that's all there is to it especially if the empires have to be saved you have to keep telling lie after lie after lie and you 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 either capitulate and accept or you get shunned or you get cancelled and it's a big big issue and I think this is the reason why so many people you you know too often the pressure the economic pressure is put on them it was once said that the, that the uh Soviets didn't have to have a lot of policemen badgering and shooting and putting in prison. It was always an economic punishment. They cancel you. They took away your job, they took away your, your apartment, and, the, and they took away your food. That is what's doing. And now just look at what you don't, if you don't follow it, there's all kinds of scre- sch- uh, uh, all kinds of ways, schemes to punish people who don't obey the law, and that is uh, their law. And that is where the real problem comes because nobody knows exactly what the, what the rules and the laws are in, a, in an age of nihilism to deny everything. And that's really what, what we're, we're facing today. And you know, a consequence of what we're trying to save. In, in many ways some people describe it as you know an attack on Western civilization uh, when, when you think of the development of civilization all the way back to day one it's been gradual and steady but it really exploded uh, civilization in the, in the uh, uh, enlightenment in that period uh, you, you know with uh, uh, with, with John Locke and Jefferson and others, this this has been a tremendous boost. But something happened here, probably more than 100, 100 years ago, and it was almost like the people who knew and understood what civilization and freedom was all about, there was an exhaustion. The exhaustion was in the midst of plenty. I think in a way, uh, prosperity can backfire on it. You know, we have so much great productivity. Our living standards, in spite of the government, are sensational, although it's, uh, it's all based on lies and fake money, pretense, debt, loss of liberty, but there's a lot of, uh, of prosperity that people are content with. And even when you have something like COVID, uh, they can instantaneously, in a bipartisan way, oh, okay, we need to send people money. How much you need? Oh, by $1,500 for everybody. You know, on and on. They just do that. And the the thing it is, they get away with it just by, by building a, uh, a bigger bubble than ever before. And that's what we're doing. And it's always at the expense of some personal liberty. And uh, <clears throat> that's what we have to realize. But it's been going on. I think the, the crisis... Uh, uh, in, in our country in particular, and probably worldwide, has been the uh, arrival of the uh, progressive movement at the beginning of, of the last century. And 150, 20, 30 years now, uh, it's been going on and it's this progressivism. I think the problems we face today uh, are, are are really philosophic and it, it isn't just because we need a couple more members of Congress. Yeah, we should try, we, we, we should, work as hard as we can for the point of what we really need. But that, that is not the solution as much as we need to deal with the philosophy. We're facing a philosophic crisis. This is one of the reasons that uh, uh, I have a home school program because I cannot believe that government schools can do anything for us to save our republic. Especially when we think they probably are the ones that did the most to destroy it, and uh, so we can't expect too much on that. And that, 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 to me, of course, is a is a real, a real tragedy. You know, uh, one of the people in in that early history, uh, in the Enlightenment period, was an individual that Jefferson admired. Jefferson was not alive when John Locke was alive, but John Locke offered an awful lot. To building up civilization, understanding what personal liberty is all about, and that sort of era ended as we moved into the uh, tw- uh, into the 21st century. And the 20th century, of course, was uh, the 20th century was pretty darn bad. When you think of the carnage, the people who died, and uh, we heard today about how many died in recent years. What about the whole century? It's just horrible. I don't know how we survive all of this, and yet the philosophy hasn't changed. Matter of fact, uh, there, there's still all this going on. I mean, I think it's, it's a shame, and it's a challenge for me and others to, because to do this, uh, to, to complain about what's happening, we have to challenge our government. Of course, I think that's what the First Amendment is all about, it's to challenge our government. It isn't to talk about the weather reports. You should have the right to challenge our government. But just think with, uh, uh, with the social media movement and this uh, idea of government working together with social media to be able to punish people for saying the wrong things. That is a disaster and that has to be curtailed. You know, the uh, COVID epidemic was obvious a disaster for us. And you talk about truth. Yes, there's a lot of lying and cheating and scaring and spending and all those things. But the one that hurt me personally the most was the medical lies that they told. That that to me was the principle that was violated. That, that government bureaucrats could define medical terms and then enforce them, and P, if P, the doctors that didn't go along got punished? why you lose their jobs? But what about this whole nonsense? Why did the people put up with it? Why, what, what about this idea, there is no such thing as natural immunity? That to me is so bizarre. And uh, I was looking for, for an answer on that, uh, and uh, I think uh, Ch- Charles McKay Who wrote delusions? uh, uh, What what was the book on there? It was uh, uh, excuse me, popular delusion and the madness of cries of crowds. People get together and they act like a mob, and uh, and it's 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 um, you, you know a a gang of people ganging up. And people act in mass he said he said uh, McKay, uh, said they they go mad and they go crazy go not in herds. People get together. just a whole herd and it's a mob, and uh sometimes I think that's what pure democracy is all about too, when they are able to take over and and finally manipulate the interest and uh but the the, the key to his McKay's complaint was. It, that when people get upset and they uh, are, are excitable, they'll act in her, herds, but they only recover one at a time. That's why you're very important. We're all recovering. We're all trying to understand that everybody has a job. So it is not a numbers game. You can't wait and say, well, I need a little more support before I run for Congress because you know that's not, not going to work. No, they have to. You have to do it one other time, because, and Daniel mentioned, I'm enthusiastic about the principle of the remnant. I think the remnant is out there. It's usually more of a biblical argument, but I see it in a broader sense. There's always a remnant of people who want to know the truth. That's why I welcome you here, and you give me a lot of encouragement of people seeking to just simply know the truth. That shouldn't be so bad, but what we're up against is a religion. Nihilism is a religion, and uh, it's something that uh, is more difficult to to attack, and it has invaded, ingrained. It's in our universities. It's in all the organizations. How can one individual uh, become so able to control so much a very rich person, George Soros. He he deserves a lot of credit for being successful. But we don't deserve a lot of credit for not recognizing it and stopping it. But that is, just think of how much infiltration he's had in all the organization, the judicial system, the the colleges, the whole works, education, medicine. They're they're totally infiltrated. So yes, we can complain about our government. I've done that a few times. And uh, we can offer our solution. But ultimately, uh, I, I have had trouble with this uh, this point, but I think I've come around to accepting it. The, ultimately, the kind of government we have is a result of the consensus of the people. And I thought, well, that can't be, can't be. There's not a consensus because right now, I don't think, I, I imagine what's going on right now, I'll bet you... Uh, we, as a matter of fact, there are some statistics: seventy or eighty percent of the people don't like what what's going on. But the consensus of the people uh, means that we allow, you know, those people who grab hold of power uh, and what they did in COVID, you know, all kinds of motivations that they had to do COVID. But the people did not stand up. They have become awakened. That excites me. Daniel and I get excited. This is good news. No. He'll say, oh, this isn't good news at all. I said, "Daniel, this is good news, because this is so bad. We're going to wake up 20,000 people tonight. (laughs) So we have to be realistic. But I think the truth is, the prevailing attitude of the people is very important. And uh, I bet you we could come together on some agreements, on some resolution in a group like this, what the prevailing attitude ought to be about government. And I think most of you would agree, much more limited, along with having a foreign policy where we minded our own business, we allowed the people to mind their own business, and we allowed the people to just be left alone with one rule. No violence committed against another individual. That's not complicated, but I don't think the majority here might do it. But that is, that is what they have to be introduced into and accept it. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous job because I think uh, a lot of people are pretty discouraged and uh, very pessimistic. And I, I have my ups and downs, but really I, I get excited about it because I can come and talk with you, <laughs> that that gives me encouragement, encouragement. Because you're there, it gave me a lot of encouragement. Uh, when I w- went to Berkeley campus, where I thought I'd be railroaded out of there. It was one of our best uh, best meetings we ever had. So, no, they're out there. In, so the numbers don't matter. It's the numbers of people in leadership positions who, who will talk. And the other thing is there's so many people, even in this room, that have their little projects and, and influence people, and you don't even know how many people. You know, I've been on so many radio shows and talk shows of individuals that might have been introduced to uh, this liberty movement, you know, 10, 15 years ago during some of the campaigns. And I didn't know they were out there and they have big followings, little followings. So, my personal obligation to myself and suggested for others is to, uh, uh, you know, uh, participate in trying to change people's minds, because that is the most important thing we do. The nihilists will use any tool whatsoever. The nihilists have no restraints. They can use guns and bullets and poverty and all this nonsense, and guess what? They have no guilt no guilt from this I was talking to somebody once and he, he was uh, he, he was a friendly atheist he would just talk about things and one time I thought he was so diehard that he didn't have a heart but one day we, we were overhearing some news and the news was talking about Hillary we heard about Hillary just a while ago and uh, he, he was he was a uh, he was annoyed and he summarized it which made me question his his uh, his full beliefs of atheism, he says, Hillary has no shame. And that's what, that's what a nihilist like. They have no shame, they have no guilt. And even though uh, deep down inside, I think they do. I don't think you can stamp it out. But it's up to us to stimulate them. So if you're not involved, stay involved. You're you're here, and that helps me. It helps everybody to encourage us to continue. Should you go into politics? Whatever you want. Uh, What are are your goals? Because I think if your goals are to spread a message, that's a lot different than if my goal had been Oh boy, I'm gonna do a good job. I'm gonna raise a lot of money. You only need three million dollars. Uh, no, back then it was three. Now ten million dollars to get a chairmanship of the committees. And then when you have the chairmanship of the committees, then you can have power and then you can change things. Then you would get an audit of the Fed. Well, both are true. You couldn't do the money and they're not gonna overstep the bounds of auditing the Fed. They're not gonna allow that to happen. So it's uh that 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 wasn't appealing to me. I had something else in mind. It was a secret. I was gonna promote liberty and that was it. So that, that has, uh, I think, uh, served, served the interests of many people that, uh, that know what we have to do we should all feel very fortunate uh, in spite of all our problems that we have and, and for some argue the case is they're getting much worse and we have a time bomb out there and I think that that is the case. But that, that doesn't mean what we have had and what is still available to us. Uh, you know, some, somebody would say, well, if this is true, How did they ever let Ron Paul into Congress? (laughs) I snuck in the back door. They didn't know. (laughs) If we'd have known this, we wouldn't have allowed him to come. No, I think we have still a lot of opportunities. And I have so often have mentioned that the most important thing is that we can express ourselves. And that's one of the places where they attack us the most. And uh, even today, when some of that stuff is supposed to have been settled, we keep saying, when are they going to close us down? You know, this sort of thing. So no, the ongoing fight. I'm an optimist on long term, on short term. I think we ought to all be alert and working like dogs, you know, to get this reversed, spreading a message. Because to me, it's, it's such a wonderful message. It's not complex. It's a moral message. It's a Christian message. It's a belief that people can take care of themselves and get satisfied. It's a, it's a message of prosperity. It's a message of peace. And we wor- we work on that now. How are we losing this? How could we lose this argument? And uh, well, uh, they don't want to go to work. <laughs> you know, I saw a s- statistic and made me a little pessimistic, a little pessimistic yesterday. They were given the, the people who were losing jobs and gaining jobs. And they had this huge increase of jobs and they were all non-American born. Not that, that, that it automatically eliminates anybody, but what it means is maybe those who are illegal uh, or, or not, not born here weren't legal <laughs> citizens. But it, it just seems so strange. But uh, there's, there's a lot of concern. People are very, very worried. I think they want to hear the, hear the truth, and uh, I often uh, uh, I would have questions from college students and others, and after one of the debates, somebody came up to me, and they said, uh, you know, you you talked about the Constitution, and they were excited, and they said, boy, that's really, really good. And uh, I said, that that night, the, the next person that spoke after me, after I said something favorable about the Constitution, he said about the same thing you know, how valuable it was and, you know, save our souls and all that. I said, he said the same thing. He says, yeah, I didn't believe him. (laughs) So, no, it has to be believable and it has to be practical and the philosophy is practical Uh, what is impractical is what we're doing how can anything be less practical and I've said and I believe this but it's unnecessary I said if we could have our liberty back if we could have our personal liberty our economic liberty and we would bring our troops home uh, and our incomes and my income would go down who knows what? Well, I, I, I have an idea what would happen. But if my income was cut in half, I would choose liberty. But guess what? If we had those conditions of getting rid of the type of system that we have, interventionism that is totally morally and financially bankrupt, I'll tell you what. If we've had one test of that in our history, and that was in 1921. They had a depression come on. It was a bad depression. I think the GDP went down more than 15%. But uh, they weren't smart back then. They hadn't even hardly studied Keynes. I don't even know if he was born, you know. So they just, they just uh, uh, hands off. Hoover never gets any credit for this. <laughs> so they, they were hands off, and there was a... Uh, uh, a, a, a tremendous growth, the Depression, they call it the Depression. It was over in one year, and that boomed back, but then we went back to inflating during the 20s and brought on all these things. So, but, it, but there there is evidence that you can do it. A lot of people ask me, well, what, what about gold? Can, can, can we get back on the gold standard? Well, one step that we have made that really helps is, the fact, you at least have the right, the, your right as an American citizen to own some gold. Can you imagine that, uh, I guess, my, I was born in the 30s, they made gold illegal uh, a couple years before I was born, and then they made it re-legal, to lie, the, the right of an American citizen to own gold in 1975. And that's in the free America, and we were surviving and doing well. But that, but it, but it did uh, in the '70s. I involved a lot of people were involved in getting gold re-legalized. and uh, the minting, the of American coin uh, may have some shortcomings, but it's still a good step. So there's been step in the right direction. So. Uh, in, indirectly we're on a gold standard because anybody who has anybody who has any money that knows what's going on might be helping define the uh, uh, the uh, ratio of gold to silver uh, gold to uh, federal Reserve notes and uh, so there's a little there's some freedom there there's some freedom we're, we're fortunate enough that we can still get together and talk like this this to me is is just wonderful because I think that's it's when they Put everybody into jail and uh, for saying anything, and uh, if things get closed down. That, that would be very very bad. So we're uh, we're we're not there, uh, but we could, it could definitely get much worse. Because see, I work on the assumption that the debt has to be re- liquidated the debt and the malinvestment has to be liquidated. We've been doing this, we have did it by telling a lie about the value of the currency. The unit of account was always defined, they wanted the unit of account at the time of our founding, and they um, devised an imperfect system, but they defined the dollar as a weight in silver. And then they had a ratio to gold, which was not the smartest thing to do, but, Gold and silver was meant to be a legal tender. And I think it's exciting on what they're doing at the state level. So and maybe, uh, maybe what has happened with uh, the lockdown o- over COVID has uh, both negative and impo- and positively has given more emphasis on what the cities can do. And, uh, you know, the fact that some people, some people, do you know, I guess this uh, this is new news. Some people are leaving California because it's so bad. Who would have ever guessed? And they're coming to states that are doing a little bit better. But in the states now, I I don't know the exact number, but there are several numbers of uh, states now that have passed resolutions that said, That uh, no no taxes uh, no no income no uh, uh, sales taxes on on money on on gold gold and silver, and that's that's fantastic. And we're moving because that I think where the real fight might have to be because the Constitution is so explicit that the states can't use anything other than the silver and gold as a legal tender and. of course what they had in mind was the paper that they were using before the revolution but it's explicit and they've used this and they've been winning some of these cases and and they're winning over that's that's the groundwork that's being done. Of course, that has to be done in everything. I think. Uh, I think of what we do, uh, and I imagine there's a lot of people in this room that have looked forward to uh, homeschooling. We try to participate in that, and the, ho- the homeschooling, and uh, 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 also the uh, the whole idea that people should be responsible for themselves. I think is a is a big issue that uh, people don't understand. But I still believe there's a natural tendency to believe in a higher law and a higher law that would suggest that uh, if if people do bad things, they might even have a tinge of shame that they might have for doing something wrong or not doing things the way they want. But the, but the, that's been that issue's been around for a long time. But I think if you look at the whole the whole scope of the history, going from the beginning of time, even back to Adam and Eve, and prior to Adam Adam and Eve, uh, that things have developed and I think continued, I think we live in very, very historic times, uh, big time. When you look at the entire time of thousands of years now that we have known that there's been social reactions, and, uh, and now we're seeing, the, uh, con- I think, the consequence. I think there's always had to be some liquidation of the debt and uh if you're an individual there's liquidation by declaring bankruptcy or working harder or getting another job and get back on your feet if you had to deal with sound money but now at, at liquidation the liquidation will come because all the mistakes have to be ironed out and all the debt has to be eliminated and uh, the one thing in the argument this past week month year uh, that they talk about. Did they try to scare you about the default? The default's coming, the end of the world's coming, if, it, if we default. I said, what are you guys talking about? We could default every single minute of the day, and they do it by, they could pay off all the debt, all they have to do is print up the money. We don't even know what the Fed's doing. And they're dealing in trillions of dollars. This idea that they're not going to be able to pay somebody—you know—I was in Washington, and I went through some lockdown or some, uh, some where they had to close down the government, and you weren't even allowed to go up on the Washington Monument and a few other things. You couldn't go to the park. But that, that was all—that's all nonsense. And uh, it was all to devise fear. That's how they operate. They create fear about the, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming, and. Uh, you, you know, they, 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 uh, they always, the media usually refers to uh, the Russian, uh, the Russian uh, in, uh, war against Ukraine. How often have you seen or heard on the regular television, how about the war, the, uh, you, the NATO war against Russia? That would tell you more what's going on. And who's NATO? That, but most people say, oh, "Well, we have to, we have to make them pay their bills." Now we own NATO, we own the whole thing because we own the weaponry and we control this thing. So that's that. That, that is such a shame, but uh, we 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 put up with it. But it will come to an end. I believe in the liquidation. I believe that it will be liquidate liquidated. A lot of innocent people will suffer, a few rich people will, but a bunch of rich ones will get away because they've already probably uh, protected themselves by getting out of town. But uh, to me, the only answer to all of this is not to take up arms. Uh, Jefferson probably would have argued for taking up arms. I, I wasn't so much. I'm not in favor of that. But... What we, should, what we should do, though, is we need to be prepared. We have to take up the armaments to promote ideas. And that's why I've been strongly supportive in, uh, with so many other organizations you have supported, like the Mises Institute. Uh, I think it's ideological. I, I think this whole thing is ideological. The whole fight, and uh, I think this whole thing of nihilism versus a higher law—they've uh, totally rejected the higher law. They, they, they mock it, and I don't laugh at the fact that I think there's a syst- systemic attack on Christianity. And but the, uh, the the libertarian position is so clear on that. It's it's uh it's just. It's up to the individual as long as you can't commit violence. you know well, What's so hard for that to understand? And they say, oh, well, what about my food stamps? Well, what is it going to happen to your food stamps next month when uh, the food prices triple or something like that? No, what we're facing by doing nothing is 10 times worse than the pain that would come uh, if you did something. After the Civil War, we had uh, printed greenbacks uh, Lincoln did uh, <laughs> the greenbacks, and uh, I think it was from 61 up to 75. There were a lot of greenbacks circulating, but they were, they were not worth as much as a, a real f- note. And uh, so in 1870, 1875, they passed the Restoration Act. Uh, and uh, because I, I talk about this because people want to know, can we go back? To a gold standard, and this is an example was when we did. So, 1875, they passed the Restoration Act, and it was going to take three years. So, by 17, uh, 1778, uh, the banks and the government would, uh, you know, refund if you had, if you they, they were going to withdraw uh, the, the greenbacks. If you had federal reserve notes or dollars, you could turn them in, uh, turn them in for uh, gold, and people. <sighs> Won't work, won't work. We weren't. We didn't have an empire. We didn't have runaway welfare. We weren't by that time. They had to do something with the death, I said because we probably had a deficit from the war and all. But uh, when when they did that, it was a non-event. It uh, the and then it, that us, actually ushered in. A period of time that a lot of people represent or, or recognize it as being one of the most free market oriented times from the 18, late 1870s uh, all the way up to World War One uh, when they had economic growth and uh, sounder economic pol- uh, monetary policies. So the, you can go back, but people say, "Oh, that means that we just need more people to pass a restoration act." We've, we've lost our opportunity for that. It's not going to happen that way, you, you, because uh, the spending is, is uh, just huge. It's so big. Everybody has an interest in it, and uh, unfortunately, nihilism is in charge, and they will pester, and they will do it. So, But I still think It's absolutely important that we lay the groundwork, prepare ourselves, personally, family, spiritually, everything for bad times coming. But at the same time, working to be available and recognize that every once in a while, you're going to bump into somebody who belongs to the remnant and they say what we do is we homeschool our kids, and we do this and and all these things, and prepared. Because the, the, the other the other option is just not not good. It's uh, it's uh, so, sort of you know take up the guns. And uh, you know even though that argument was fought wholeheartedly with Hamilton and, and Jefferson, it was one that uh, is ongoing. It's as strong as ever before. But the bubble is so big that we better be prepared. And I would say that uh, being prepared starts with knowledge. And uh, I, I was a fan of Leonard Reed, who had the uh, F- Foundation for Economic Education. And he was very interested in education. And uh, his whole thing was educate ourselves. And uh, then he said, Don't worry about how you're going to use it. If you become knowledgeable in a subject and you're telling the truth, uh, they'll come. People will come and seek you out and use you one way or the other, and I'm sure people. I bet you because you've been involved and you're politically astute. I bet you have people come come up and ask you know questions, and they're honest questions. They just want more help, but uh, that is that to me is the most important. And then if you're at a point like that and you find a position that you're comfortable with and the people are uncomfortable with, then pursue it. Pursue it. It may, it may, uh, you know, be a much bigger issue than you ever dreamed. And I have to admit, and I don't say this to puff myself up, but I was shocked. Matter of fact, how how many people would come to a rally? I remember walking. I was, where do these people come from? What are they doing here? Because I could remember very very uh, well that I when I first got involved. In the '70s, I was in Congress for a short period of time, and I was interested in exactly the same thing. I'm interested in now, so I would I would uh, get an invitation. They say, "Oh, we have a small libertarian group over at College ABC. Would you come out?" I said, sure I'll come out. You have a group? Oh yeah, we have a group there. So I got, and you know, we felt good if we could get fifteen people. <laughs> But you know what? A lot of those individuals ended up working in our campaigns later on. And they themselves were very instrumental. So the numbers were important, but uh, then. uh, but eventually, you have to influence a whole society. And uh, I would say the college campuses, I know I'll oh, get shot down for this. The college campuses aren't quite as bad, where the people on the campuses aren't universally bad, like maybe the administration. That might be the way I put it. So I put in a pitch for something you already believe in. And my pitch is for liberty. And assuming the responsibility all of us have is to pursue liberty. And I guarantee you, you'll move closer to peace, and prosperity. Thank you very much.